but I have to make it clear that the federal government and the Labor Party do not have strong enough actions. And so it's not just a criticism of the Liberal National Party coalition. It's also clear that the Labor Party announced policies are not sufficient in terms of combating climate change rapidly enough in terms of emission reductions, as well as making commitments for the adaptation to the impacts of climate change that we know are happening already. That's Professor David Caroli, well, retired Professor David Caroli, who spoke to me just this morning, and this morning is Monday, May 2, while on holiday in Queensland with his family. What a generous man. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations, incorporating quick climate links. I'm your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. A story in The Guardian prompted me to think about Professor Caroli and then give him a phone call. First, we'll have a little preamble. David Caroli, who is a leading Australian climate scientist and previously worked for a brief period with the CSIRO and has now retired, has described the organisation as a very extravagant consulting company. According to a story in The Guardian, this warning from Professor David Caroli follows his retirement from the Commonwealth Science and Industry Research Organisation in February, after more than 40 years as one of the most respected voices in climate science. I said earlier that David had worked for the CSIRO for a short period. He was appointed to CSIRO in 2017, and if you consider five years a short period out of decades of work as a climate scientist, it is a short period. Let's listen now to what we talked about just this morning. My first question was about what was in The Guardian this morning. Uh, what was in The Guardian, I was very much aware of. I was interviewed by the uh, journalist who wrote it, uh, Adam Morton. He shared that with me. It's, as far as I can tell, entirely accurate, and CSIRO would, will deny it all. So how do you feel about the comment about it being a very expensive consulting organisation? Well, I, <laughs> that's what it is. An extremely expensive um, charges for, for what they do. And they now are effectively requiring 70% external income for any project before they'll take it on. Now, they do vary that a little bit, but effectively they get funded supposedly by the Australian government and it used to be 30% external income and now for most projects it's 70% external income. So do you believe the organisation has lost its focus? Yes, of course it has. Its focus is to only undertake research for which it, it doesn't do public good research unless someone else is willing to pay for most of it. So should it be doing that public good research? Uh, absolutely it should. The public good research is critically important. CSIRO's researchers are have done many great things in terms of research that's relevant to Australia on lots and lots of different areas. Relevant research in terms of public good and environmental research, and, and they continue to do so. But 
the board and the chief executive of CSRO has changed that direction. Uh, and they're trying to follow a different path than what was used in CSIRO, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, and now what they're trying to do is to guess what is relevant to industry, who will pay for the research that they think is needed, and they're trying to guess what might suit the government of the day. And unfortunately, Larry Marshall, who was appointed under a Liberal National Party coalition government, I think by Tony Abbott, but I can't be absolutely sure, was appointed and his appointment was renewed by the board of CSIRO. He's essentially an entrepreneur and his comments on climate change science is we know enough climate change science and all we need is clever people to design widgets to make use of the existing information. And the board renewed his appointment after he had supported the sacking of more than half of the CSIRO scientists at CSRO Oceans and Atmosphere and at CSRO Land and Water, the climate scientists at both of those parts of CSRO. So essentially the number of people involved in climate science in CSRO was cut by half. So, David, the question I can't avoid asking is why did you join the CSIRO? Ah, uh, I joined the CSIRO because I felt that I could provide, if you like, the leadership both in CSIRO and in the joint research centre that had $24 million of funding from the Australian government in climate change science. And that money was going to disappear if CSRO couldn't demonstrate that it could do it successfully. And unfortunately, the Larry Marshall decision was effectively going to mean that CSRO was going to have to return $24 million back to the federal government because their joint research program was going to fail. They weren't going to be able to continue it because they were sacking too many climate scientists. So I said, I should point out the timing of this is critically important. The Larry Marshall cuts happened in 2016. They couldn't find anyone, the director of the Earth Systems and Climate Change Hub in the National Environmental Science Program was shifted from leading that hub, the $24 million research centre that I said, into a new program in CSIRO. They tried to fill that position from within CSIRO. They couldn't, they didn't get around to advertising it until the middle of 2017. And I applied and was basically the unanimous choice of the selection panel to lead it from early 2018. A number of people, including my colleagues in the university sector, said, David, you've got to be crazy. CSIRO was sacking people. And I said, I think I can turn this centre around. I think that I can lead it. I know the people in the government. I know the university partners. I know the people in the Bureau and CSRO, I think I can make it successful. It was successful. And the best demonstration of that success is because when my term as leader of the hub and the initial funding period ran out in 2021, a decision was made by the federal government to not only continue with a new version of that hub, now called the Climate Systems Hub, with new funding for another seven years, but to increase that funding by 
Congratulations, congratulations. Thank you very much, Robert. It was very successful, and I did it so that CSIRO and the Australian science community could have a significant funding provided by the federal government to do research on the impact of climate change across Australia and build, if you like, climate literacy within local government, state government and within the federal government, as well as with community groups and within the business community as well. And that was essentially the focus of the activities on the Earth Systems and Climate Change Hub. And Robert, you know that because I've been up in Shepparton a number of times to talk to you and to give talks to community groups, not only in Shepparton, but in, in many other parts of Victoria and across Australia as well. You've said some rather harsh things about the existing government. So do you stand by, you, obviously you still stand by those? Uh, I stand by many of the things that I've said and everything that's in the article I absolutely stand by, but I have to make it clear that the federal government and the Labor Party do not have strong enough actions. And so it's not just a criticism of the Liberal National Party coalition. It's also clear that the Labor Party announced policies are not sufficient in terms of combating climate change rapidly enough in terms of emission reductions, as well as making commitments for the adaptation to the impacts of climate change that we know are happening already, like demonstrated in the flooding in Queensland and New South Wales, or like demonstrated in the Black Saturday bushfires. The impacts of climate change are already happening, are locked in and will get substantially worse. And what is critically needed is funding investments, not only at the federal level, but at the local and state level to address climate change impacts and essentially to adapt to those impacts, as well as to manage the transition to a zero carbon economy as rapidly as possible to reduce the causes of climate change in Australia. Australia, when you take into account internal Australian greenhouse gas emissions, as well as the exports of coal and natural gas, Australia has the highest per capita emissions of any country in the world, including Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and other major oil explorers. Per capita emissions in Australia are higher than any other country in the world. So what do voters do on May 21? They need to think about what environment they would like for themselves their children and their grandchildren in Australia now and in 20 years' time and in 50 years' time because the only way to think about it, and I'm not going to tell them what party to vote for, but just think about what environment they want. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because we can't control that. Go to the Weather Bureau to find out what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. But if you want to find out about what sorts of extreme weather events like we had earlier this year or in the black summer, it's going to get much worse unless we rapidly, in Australia and globally, address climate change. Vote for the independence or the party that you think is best going to address climate change, mitigation and adaptation. Thanks, David. That's wonderful. 
Pretty clear advice there. And remember, when you go into the polling booth on May 21, you need to be looking for somebody who will give you climate action, real climate action, be that a party member or an independent candidate. Next, we shift to Juice Media, and they'll give us their opinion about the present government and the coming election. Hello, I'm from the Australian Government with a final message before the election. This could be our last ad, unless you re-elect us, which would be a miracle after all we've done these past three years. But here at the Australian Government, we believe in miracles. And the one we're praying for hardest this election is that most of you are too busy trying to make ends meet to remember all we've done these past three years. Under the leadership of our prime marketer, ScoMo, or as his colleagues call him, hypocrite, fraud, complete psycho and absolute asshole. As well as a fine array of ministers like Susan, Minister for No Duty of Care over young people. And Richard, Minister for No Duty of Care over old people. Minister for people who are not blessed. Minister for saying Labor will drop the ball on national security. Minister for dropping the ball on national security. Minister for not letting this family go home to Billow. Minister for Santos. Minister for Woodside. Minister for cosplay. Minister for integrity. Minister for bagging his own state during the pandemic and losing his seat to an independent. And of course, Jenny, Minister for Reminding Complete Psycho to empathise with rape survivors. You'll find the link to that Juice YouTube clip in the show notes. Well, we've reached the end of today's quick climate links. Please don't forget to check out the show notes as there's lots of links in there to help you better understand the climate crisis. But until we meet again, please take care, stay safe and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Thank you.